Good morning, church. It is good to see you. Good to be here. Good to be gathered. Good to be here for worship together. Uh, let's let's begin. Uh, we'll look at question number fifteen today. Question number fifteen from the New City Catechism. Uh, still. Teaching us about what the law is, and uh, here this question, its its purpose. So, question number fifteen is: Since no one can keep the law, what is its purpose? The answer: That we may know the holy nature and will of God, and the sinful nature and disobedience of our hearts and thus our need of a Savior. The law also teaches and exhorts us to live a life worthy of our Savior. And our scripture for this is Romans 3.20. Romans 3.20. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Give thanks for the law, church. Sadly, this is a neglected exhortation we don't often hear today, but apart from the law, apart from the law, we cannot know the character of God nor the image we must bear. Apart from the law, we have no standard of righteousness. Apart from the law, we have no clear conviction of sin. Apart from the law, we cannot grow in our appreciation of Christ's magnificent work for his people. The law of God is good, it's holy, and it's necessary. So again, I exhort you to give thanks. Give thanks for the law. And also take a moment to ask that you might have ears ready to hear it and hearts that are ready to receive it. For indeed, we cannot live without it. Let's, let's stand together and hear a portion of the law today. Deuteronomy 19. Here we are instructed that the people of the Lord must be truthful, just as He is, and that punishments must be appropriate for their crimes. And this is Deuteronomy 19. Starting in verse 14, Deuteronomy 19, 14. You shall not move your neighbor's landmark, which the men of old have set, in the inheritance that you will hold in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. A single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only 
on the evidence of two witnesses or three witnesses shall a charge be established. If a malicious witness arises to accuse a person of wrongdoing, then both parties to the dispute shall appear before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who are in office in those days. The judges shall inquire diligently. And if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he meant to do to his brother. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and the rest shall hear and fear, and shall never again commit any such evil among you. Your eye shall not pity, it shall be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. O Lord, God of truth, how satisfying it is for your people to know that you always bear witness to what is true. There is no deception in your actions. There is no falsity in your speech. Your words are pure words, perfectly refined and entirely trustworthy. And so we give thanks that you have revealed this about yourself and that you have given us instruction for how we can and must emulate your character. And I ask that you would convict us of falsehood and that you would give us, give us a desire to stand firmly upon your truth and your justice. We give thanks supremely for Jesus Christ, the one who purges evil from our midst, first in our hearts and soon in all creation. May our desire for his perfect justice sharpen our wisdom and teach us now to pursue your kingdom. We offer our praises and we make these supplications to you, Father, through the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Give to our God immortal praise, mercy and truth are all his ways. Wonders of grace to God belong, repeat his mercies in your song. He built the earth, he spread the sky, and fixed the starry lights on high. Wonders of grace to God belong, repeat his mercies in your song. He fills the sun with morning light. He bids the moon direct 
the night his mercies ever shall endure when sun and moon shall shine no more he sent his son with power to save from guilt and darkness and the grave wonders of grace to god belong repeat his mercies in your song and through this vain world he guides our feet and leads us to his heavenly seat his mercies ever shall endure when this our world shall be no more. Give to our God unending praise. Indeed, this is precisely what the creatures in the new heavens and the new earth will do and what we are preparing and being prepared for. Uh, we're going to sing now the words of Psalm 73. Psalm 73, it's a, it's a longer psalm with quite a few verses, but this psalm is a very important song of recalibration for the Lord's people. We're often tempted to envy the wicked who seem to have a life of ease, a life of blessing, despite their arrogance and their blatant disregard for godliness or the things of the Lord. This psalm in particular, Psalm 73, leads us through recognizing God's goodness, confessing our envy, lamenting the wickedness of the arrogant, and then finding confidence and security in the Lord's presence and in the Lord's retribution. So this is a full, very full, and very rich psalm. Let's sing it now. Let's sing it thoughtfully, considering these words. Let's sing it prayerfully, and indeed, let's sing it thankfully that the Lord has given it to us for us to read, to know, and now to sing. surely good to Israel, to everyone whose heart is pure. But as for me, I nearly fell. My footsteps were no longer sure. For I was envious of the proud and wicked ones with wealth endowed, with wicked ones with wealth endowed. For in their death no pangs they know, their strength is firm from day to day. They have no part in others' woe, nor plagued as mortal men are they. They make their necklace arrogance and clothe themselves with violence and clothe themselves with violence. 
Their eyes are bulging from excess, their hearts o'erflow with dreams they seek. They scoff, they threaten to oppress, disdainful words they proudly speak. Their mouth the heights of heaven raids, their tongue around the world parades, their tongue around the world parades. Their people therefore this way turn and drink their streams that overflow for how they say can God discern and does the Most High really know? Behold ungodly men are these who gain in wealth and live at ease, who gain in wealth and live at ease. Then surely I have toiled in vain to cleanse my heart from all offense, and vainly from each guilty stain have washed my hand in innocence. Still grievous plagues all day I've borne, and have been chastened every morn, and have been chastened every morn. If I would let my thoughts lead me to speak with doubting words this way, Behold the children called by thee, I certainly would then betray. But though the facts I try to see, the problem deeply troubled me, The problem deeply troubled me. Then came I to God's sanctuary, and there considered well therein. There set on slippery ground by thee, and them to ruin thou dost send. How rapidly destroyed are they by sudden terrors swept away, by sudden terrors swept away. As one from a dream awakes, their form, O Lord, thou will despise. So when my heart with grieving breaks and bitter thoughts within me rise, I senseless am and blind within a beast before thee. I have been a beast before thee, I have been. Yet evermore I am with thee, thou holdest me by my right hand, and thou even now my guide shall be. And afterward in glory bright shall thou receive me to thy side, thou shalt receive me to thy side. For whom have I in heaven but thee? None else on earth I long to know. My flesh and weary be, my heart may fail and heavy grow. With strength to God my heart restore, he is my portion evermore. He is my portion evermore. They perish that are far from thee, low in their lewdness they 
shall die, but surely it is good for me that unto God I should draw nigh. I refuge in the that all thy works I may record, that all thy works I may record. Our good and fully trustworthy Father, how wonderful that your great and your ancient works are recorded for us to know in your word, even to this day. Hold us fast with your word so that when we are tempted to leave the good way to the right hand or to the left, our hearts may be fixed upon you. We open your word together now, knowing that in it we will be admonished, disciplined, exhorted, encouraged, sharpened, conformed, and may our esteem for Christ increase while our esteem for self decreases. It is for and through his glory that we pray this together now. Amen. Just a couple of, of housekeeping things as we uh, get ready to get started today. Um, uh, a couple of you have asked about uh, Sunday school. We don't know yet uh, when that's going to start back up or how it's going to start back up. So, but we will let you know uh, beforehand. Uh, so hopefully, you know, I'll try and text it out, but also put it on the Facebook page and, and hopefully just announce it at church. So don't think that we'll, you know, decide on some Wednesday and then have it on Sunday and you won't. You won't know about it. Uh, or if you don't know about it, know that I didn't tell you on purpose because I'm mad at you. Uh, but so, so some of you had asked about that. The other thing uh, was the Tanzania buckets. People had asked about uh, bring uh, all of that stuff that you've got, uh, bring it here. We're still figuring out when and how uh, it's going to be uh, taken to Houston or, or even maybe something else uh, happening. Uh, but... Uh, it's not going to be till earliest the end of June. Is that is that right, Ralph? So you've got you've got some time. You've got some time to finish gathering those things up. And and if a more concrete answer comes as to what we're going to be doing, and and the Lord is working out some various things to maybe allow us to have an even uh, bigger part uh, in this effort, we'll we'll let you know. So uh, those are the two big announcements that I can think of. Otherwise, oh, I hope. Some of you uh, have joined us for that same page summer reading through the New Testament. Uh, we're, if you haven't, look, jump on board right now. This is like the train. It's like that scene where the person is running beside the train and the train hasn't left the station yet. 
so you can jump on. We've read through the Gospel of John, First and Second John. Uh, we've read Galatians, Ephesians, and Colossians, which sounds like a lot, right? And Philippians. Uh, we read Philippians, didn't we? It's always hard because I read so much as to know. Uh, but that's not, that's not very far. In fact, we have Saturdays off on this reading. You can catch up really quick. Uh, Rebecca went, I think she was supposed to read Ephesians. And she was like, oh man, I'm behind. I've got to read all of Ephesians. And she came back and she was like, that's it? It took me like 15 minutes. Uh, it does. Those You can catch up in no time. So let me encourage you, hop on board uh, 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 that, that same page summer reading. I think we still got some handouts back there. If not, I can print you off one. They're available online, all that stuff. We're going to read through the New Testament together all the way through August and then have a little party at the end because the New Testament is, is pretty awesome. All right. Now, today, uh, we are taking a break from 2 Peter, because if there's anything anybody wants to talk about right now, it is race. Uh, so we are going to take a break from 2 Peter uh, and, and look at uh, an issue that's going on in, in our world that uh, specifically uh, the world is telling us how to think about certain issues, right? The, the, the question of race and justice is one that the world is trying to answer. And the world is telling you how you should answer, how you should think about answering, what are acceptable thoughts, what are unacceptable thoughts uh, about answering. So, so it's obvious that issues like race and justice, the future of our nation, the world is talking about those things and talking about those things to you. They're not just talking about them, they're telling you how to think about those things. And it is the responsibility of myself and Zachary specifically to keep watch over your soul. It is not the job of the news media to keep watch over your soul. It is not the job of your friend who lives down the road to keep watch over your soul or your Aunt Martha or whomever. Uh, your soul has been given to Zach and I to watch over and that is something that we have to take seriously. Uh, and so if the world is out there telling you something, we have to make sure that we're coming and telling you the right thing. It might be that you're hearing the right things from the world, and that would be great. Uh, it might be that you're hearing wonderful things from wonderful people. Awesome. Uh, but there, there is also, surprise, surprise, a lot of not good answers out there in the world. And you know what? Some of those not good answers are often the ones that are spoken the loudest, things that are just not helpful. So we live in a world and in a culture that is going to come up to you or is going to peruse your Facebook feed or your Twitter profile or, or you know, your, your whatever and, and ask you, hey, what do you think about what's going on? What do you think? And you need to be shepherded in how to answer that. Well, you need to be shepherded in what the Bible says, the, that foundation that you must build everything on. Because the world, the world is telling you what you need to believe. And the truth is, CNN doesn't care what the Bible says. Fox News doesn't care what the Bible says. None of them, you know why? Because you don't see any of them saying, you know, how should we handle this, Mark? Well, turn with me to Colossians. Uh, you don't see that. Uh, and so... With that, the Bible is the only thing you and I should care about. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the issues 
of race and justice, and we're going to answer it all in 15 minutes. Just kidding. Uh, what we're going to do today is actually uh, we're going to lay a foundation. Here, here's, here's, we're going to lay a foundation not just for dealing with the issue of racism or justice, but really a foundation for how to deal with any issue that this world brings up. Because I don't know if you know this, race and justice isn't the only thing the world's telling you what to think about, right? There are a lot of issues out there and a lot of positions and a lot of things that people want to know, where do you stand on this? And why do you stand that way? So what we're going to do is give you a foundation for how to deal with any of those issues. Because the truth is, racism is really just the latest social question that the world is asking. The world has talked about marriage, homosexuality, transgenderism, not any, anything you can think of. Any sort of social question the world is asking. And, and, and sadly, the church is scrambling to figure out what to say. Or even worse, just asking the world, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say so you'll think I'm cool or so you'll think I'm relevant or whatever? Today, we're going to lay a framework for how to think really about any question in life, how to think about any issue that this world might bring up. I mean, that, I mean that's got to be helpful, right? I'm going to tell you how to think about any issue ever. Man, that's good. That's, that's going to be that's one thick sermon right there. So that's the plan. Uh, let's begin as we will not have one centralized text, but we'll be expositing a few texts. Let's begin with prayer. Because one thing that is going to be very clear in all of this is none of the answers are going to or had better be coming from us. So let's pray and go to our Lord, uh, who is himself the maker of all peoples and the just and holy God. Father, we come to you, the God of justice and righteousness, holiness, the one who made this world, the creator. And Father, we ask for your wisdom. We ask that you would humble us and that, Father, we would seek your face. That, Lord, you would guide us through your spirit into understanding how we can speak truth to a world that is passing away, how we can speak the truth of your kingdom in a world mired in sin. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So before we begin, I want to I lay a few qualifiers out there for, for where we're going to go. Uh, there is no way we're going to be able to address every particular situation or everything that has ever happened in race ever, okay? Uh, so if you're like, but what about, no, there's going to be a hundred, but what abouts? That's not my job to answer all the what abouts. If, if you have a question about a what about, about a particular issue, you can come and talk to Zachary and I at any time, and we will lead you biblically into how to think about those things. But what we are going to hit is the sort of big picture issues of these things that will then, the, the principles from Scripture that will allow you and guide you into the type of answer that you must have. So the truth is, so much of this is going to be said. My intention was to have one sermon where we dealt with this, and then I found out, you know what? 
Bible's really got a lot to say, and it's hard to ever go, let's not mention that verse. Uh, and so we're going to bring up a lot of what Scripture says about these issues. Uh, and, and I am going to do so without reservation. And if I am going to say the truth. Now, I am afraid of offending people. I am afraid of hurting people by what I say on one side of the issue or the other. I'm afraid of making people mad. But my greater fear is failing it. And on top of that, my greatest fear is God and not saying what he says. So hopefully what you'll see is that if I make you mad about any particular side of this, what you're really mad at is that I read a Bible verse and pointed out what that Bible verse says uh, instead of me going, you know what I think about this and, uh, you know, uh, doing anything like that. Hopefully you'll see that what I've done is spoken the truth unadulterated from God's word. That's what I must do. It's what I must do. That's the responsibility that Zachary and I have. Uh, and, and it's one that we must execute faithfully. Uh, like I said, there, there will be things I won't. Uh, I won't get to, uh, but what we're trying to do in laying this foundation, just to give you the idea of where this is going and why we're doing this, what we're going to look at is, and what we're going to create is like a grid, uh, a, a grid through which the Bible says you must evaluate everything that takes place in this world. The world is, so, so like, since I can't address every situation, right, what I can do is give you, like, if we're thinking, like, think about it as glasses. What I can give you is a lens through which you must view everything in this world. So I may not talk about a particular situation, but what I am going to give you is the lens to look through and evaluate that situation. Because... The world is trying to sell you a pair of glasses. The world is trying to tell you, here, you need to see everything this way. Here's the way you need And they're not really selling it, right? They're strapping it to your face with duct tape. Uh, both sides, every side. Everyone wants you wearing their glasses. It's like you're walking through downtown New York, and the guy's like running up to you, forcing you to put on the glasses and saying, hey, where's my $5? You're like, I didn't want these glasses anyway. Uh, you know, uh, you remember when that happened, Clay? You were in Baltimore. It was, it was a scary situation. And your dad was saying, walk away, Clay. Walk away. The world is demanding us to see through their prescription. And their prescription is wrong. I don't know if any of you have ever gone to the eye doctor. I didn't have to go till I was in college. And I didn't know what you people went through. I am, I have fear of, I don't have a fear of testing. I love it too much and I want to ace every test that comes my way. So the eye doctor gave me a test. Better now or now? How about now? And then you know there's that instance where it doesn't change, right? Uh, and you're like, I don't know what to answer, uh, but I got to get an A. The world is coming to you and throwing these glasses on and it's fogging everything up and then saying, that's better, right? And we're sometimes, sometimes we go, yes, that is better. I love these glasses. But that is not what we must do. My hope, my hope 
is to allow you to look through the world, not through their lenses, but through the lenses of, of Scripture. So, so I'm saying, make sure you put on what we're going to look at. Make sure you put on these glasses. Make sure you put on these foundational truths, that you evaluate everything through these, for, for your sake, for the, for the sake of the gospel, for the, for the sake of, actually, for the sake of our world. My hope is to challenge how you've been viewing these topics. My hope is to rip off whatever glasses you've had on that you didn't even know you had put on or the prescription that you didn't know you gave yourself. Maybe the prescription you were raised with. Maybe the prescription your favorite internet influencer has. Whatever. Our hope is to give you a new prescription. Lenses that will not just help you deal with the particular issue that we're looking at in race and justice, but with every issue that you're going to face as a person in a fallen world. When the world says, hey, what do you think about this? Whatever it may be, we want you to make sure you're viewing that with the lenses that Scripture says you must have on. And the truth is, as with any situation, all of us need to need to make sure we're not assuming that, of course, we've got on the right glasses. Of course, we've got the right prescription. That's how I had to go to the eye doctor in the first place, because I was like, I see fine. And I was doing this at ESPN the whole time. And I didn't realize it. I was squinting. And I was like, I can see the ticker on the bottom. OK. And, and I can't remember who it was. It was probably either Zach or Leslie, someone who cares about me more than I care about myself, uh, and said, you know you're squinting, right? I'm not squinting. What I want us to do is look at, you may have, you may have put on the wrong lenses. We're going to make sure today, take them all off and put on the lenses that Scripture gives us to evaluate uh, life in a fallen world. So, if we're looking at issues of race or justice uh, or whatever, what does the, the Bible have to say? And, and the, the first thing we need to get clear is, is, is how to solve any problem. Where, where do we turn? Not just for the issue of race or justice, but, but any issue. Uh, because, because, again, it's not like the world's a utopia, right? And then all of a sudden someone was like, hey, have you noticed this little bugaboo called race? Uh, and people are like, oh, that really threw everything off. I thought the world was just great until this started happening. So the first thing we've got to do is know where to get right answers, wh who has wrong answers, and how to evaluate everything that we see. So the first thing in laying our foundation, putting on the right glasses, uh, is we need to understand that you cannot trust the answers of the world. You cannot trust the world's answers. Now, why can, we, why can we not turn to the world for answers? Because the world cannot be trusted. Now, God has given us a certain common grace, right? The world is not as bad as it could be. He has, in the Romans, he has taught the world about himself so that everyone knows there's, there is a God, whether they deny it or not. He has shown them his glory and excellence in creation. They see it. Now, might they ignore it? Certainly, he actually says they might do that. But he's taught the world himself. He's taught the world actually his law, that beautiful law that Zachary just described. Uh, the Lord has taught the world these things. So the world can look and say things like, hey, 
this doesn't seem right. That's possible for the world to look and say, I don't think this is right. Because God has taught the world these basic truths. But being aware of right and wrong is not the world's problem. The world's problem is not that they don't know right from wrong. The world's problem is they don't care ultimately about right and wrong. In fact, the Bible tells us, why can we not trust the world's answer? The one thing the Bible says is that the world wants to hide the truth. The world always wants to hide the truth. You see this in Romans chapter 1. The world, we're going to see, is trying to suppress the truth in order to what? In order to, in the end, actually provide a covering for their own sin. Even trying to get approval of their sin. So Romans chapter 1, verse 18, and then in verse 25, read all of Romans 1 if you would like. It is full of good stuff in understanding uh, this, this world that we live in, God's grace to it, and yet their rejection of that grace. But look particularly at verses 18 and 25. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness do what? Suppress the truth. Verse 25, because they exchange the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who's blessed forever. Amen. So this world without Christ, this, this world that is lost in a very real sense, is not actually pursuing good. It's not pursuing the good of others. No, this, this, this world is not looking out for one another. This world is, is at its heart wanting to suppress the truth. So anything coming from the godless in the world will be an effort ultimately of theirs to suppress the truth of God. They will give a little to take a lot. Their ultimate goal is the suppression of the truth, ultimately. And this, this as, as it says in verse 25, this is done willfully, right? It is a willful thing. They are exchanging the truth for a lie. God has given them the truth. He's taught it to them, so they are without excuse. But then what do they do? This world wants to take the truth that they know ultimately in their heart is true, and yet they cannot, cannot accept it. And so they want to take that truth and exchange it for the lie. All in an attempt, verse 25 says, to not have to worship their creator. And he says, don't even worship the creature. Worship themselves, worship, you know, rocks and trees and whatever. Worship one another uh, in order to not have to worship the God that they know is there. The God who's taught them about himself. The God who teaches them about himself in the very creation they're now worshiping to deny the creator. So God teaches them about themselves in creation. They then take that creation and worship the creation rather than God because they do not want to worship God. They want to suppress the truth. So we cannot listen to what the world has to say. It is this world's pursuit of ungodliness and its acceptance of ungodliness that has gotten us here in the first place. Our nation cannot be soft 
on some sins and then not expect other sins and bad things to try and get in the door. You can't say everything is okay and then everything go, I'm here, and then go, not you, not that thing. You get back out of here. We're talking about all the other things. We cannot, we cannot be all loose about marriage or homosexuality or divorce or gender or whatever and then expect racism to not want to join the party. Racism itself is a result of our nation being soft on sin. But it could also be the other way and that racism was the sin that was allowed and birthed these others. Maybe racism isn't trying to get in the door. Maybe it was the nation being soft on it that allowed others to come in itself. But our world doesn't like to deal with sin. It wants to cover for sin. And it will even heap up words of good in an effort to actually exchange the truth for a lie. And if the world is pointing out a sin, you need to be going, wait, what? If the world is pointing out something and saying, this isn't right, people shouldn't be doing that. You need to be, you need to be very much going, all right, what's your angle? Because I know your heart does not want the truth I know your heart does not believe the law of God that sets up justice and righteousness to begin with. So why, where are you, where are you, it's like when a kid comes up and they're like, mother, I have made this for you. And what do you say? What'd you do? Right? Where is it? What'd you break? Show it to me right now, Levi. Uh, you know, like that's the response. That's how we need to view what the world is doing. If the world, if the world all of a sudden says, Listen, we need to stand up for good. You need to be saying, uh, where, are you, where are you trying to go? Where are you actually trying to lead? And that's why the Bible tells us that the Christian must beware who they're listening to. So you cannot trust the world. So then the Bible warns us, look, be careful who you listen to. Specifically, the Bible tells us that the world's answers are dangerous. The answers of the world are dangerous. So they can't be trusted. So don't trust the answers of the world. They're wanting to hide the truth. And, and if you listen to them, you're putting yourself in a dangerous situation. There are a lot of voices out there in this world. Well-crafted voices with moving music attached to a 30-second, you know, Facebook film. Edited stories to pull at your heartstrings or, or either pull at your heartstrings or inflame your emotions. But they are all, in the end, stories told by fools. And you would be wise not to listen to a fool's tale. It's funny that Christians are struggling to the point that they don't know what to do. So you've got even Christians suggesting reading certain books on race or justice by people written by lost people who don't understand justice to begin with. And this, this is it's funny that we would do this when those answers are dangerous. We don't do it in any other issue. No one says, hey, if you want to understand marriage, 
there's this lost guy who's been divorced seven times. Uh, and I'm sure he's got a great book. No one, no one turns to a secular answer for anything but something like this. Or, oh, you want good parenting good, uh, advice? There's this God denier down the street that's got a really great podcast you should listen to. It would be crazy. It would be asinine to do something like that. But for some reason, people, Christians, even pastors, are suggesting that for this topic, maybe you need to listen to this godly man trying to explain, un ungodly man trying to explain the world to you. Oh, I know this person denies Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but maybe he's got a good grasp of this issue. Listen, if he doesn't have a good grasp of the very foundation of the world, what makes you think that on top of that sandcastle, he's going to have some amazing edifice? What did Jesus say? Those who build their houses on sand, it will come crumbling down. And if, if anyone invites you to their sandcastle, do not go inside. And that's what we're doing when we look for answers from people in this world that cannot be trusted. The Bible tells us about the danger of listening to any voices that are not ultimately Christian, godly people who are trying to per per peruse what Scripture says and lead you into godliness and righteousness and true justice. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Those voices that come to you, those opinions, those talking heads, those memes, those stories all come based on a philosophy of this world. And if they're based on the philosophy of this world and not on Christ, you need to have nothing to do with them. Do not let them tell you how to think. I don't care. If you've been listening to them for how to think for the last 15 years, take off the glasses. Because what does he say? Look at how dangerous it is. He says those things they're selling you are actually empty deceit. Empty deceit. They are born, he says, from human thoughts. They come from the elemental parts of this world. That elemental parts of this world, that's the same thing, oddly, we've been reading in 2 Peter, where, it, where we said that the elemental things of this world will burn up and melt away, the basic building blocks. Here, here we, we've, got, we've got Paul saying in Colossians, that's what these things are built out of. These things are birthed from things that are going to pass away. These are the things that, as Peter said, will be sloughed off with fire. And Paul warns they are ultimately not of whom? They're not of Christ, and that's why they're not to be trusted. And notice, they're not neutral. What are they trying to do? These people are trying to take you captive. They're trying to enslave you to their way of thinking, their foolish, godless way of thinking. They want you to exchange the truth for the lie.
they want you to join their team. They want to take you captive. That's why it's dangerous. That's why you need to be aware because these things, again, it's not like you can just evaluate these things or go, well, I'll take it, but I won't really believe everything else that they say. But I'll take this one thing. Look, their thoughts are trying to take you captive. So beware who you are listening to, whether you're someone on the right, someone on the left. If, 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 if those people are not birthing their statements out of Christ, then you need to be careful what they say. Because both sides of this agenda want to keep power and influence. They want it, whether they want to gain it or they're afraid of losing it. Everyone wants power. Everyone wants influence, except for those who only want Christ and his kingdom to be advanced. So do not listen to the kingdom makers on either side. Listen only to things birthed from Christ. Everything else is just trying to take you captive to themselves. So do not just blindly take what anyone says as truth. Look at it with a skeptical eye, especially if someone that, you, that is saying this thing, you know, is it's not really a righteous person. They're not a godly person. They do not mention God. You know nothing about them. And uh, so certainly don't take their, their advice as anything more than that. Uh, it, I think it's funny that as Christians, we have a tendency to look at other Christians with a more skeptical eye than we do lost people on our favorite news media. Right? Uh, and so the idea that we would not have a skeptical eye to someone whom we do not know if they confess Christ, but then someone who does confess Christ, we go, yeah, but really, uh, is an interesting thing for Christians. It, it's, uh, you need to be careful. This world is actively trying to deceive you and take us captive. So what do we do? Well, the Bible tells us we need to evaluate voices before we listen to them. Evaluate the voices. So don't just accept what they say as fact. I love this guy. He's great. He's got to be a Christian. Uh, and then you watch a particular YouTube video and his language does not so much pertain to Christ. Uh, so do not assume that anyone you're listening to is telling you something for the sake of Christ's kingdom, especially if they never mention Christ or his kingdom. So you evaluate their voices. How? First John tells us. First John Chapter 4, verse, uh, verses 1 through 3, tells us, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And false people coming and saying, Oh, this is justice, this is righteousness, this is good. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard was coming and now is in the world already. So you need to look at what you need to ask. OK, how do I know if this is someone that I should listen to? Well, you test it. How do I test it? Look, if it does not confess Christ. Then that's a good mark right there. Like, OK, probably not someone that I should listen to in how to think about this world. Then what does he say? If someone doesn't confess Christ, not only are they wrong, what does he say in verse 3? This is the spirit of what? Antichrist. And no one would go, yeah, I know he's the Antichrist, but his view on this social issue is just spot on. No one would do that. And yet, 
people in this world who are denying Christ, but then purveying some sort of political opinion are themselves anti-Christ in their life. So why would you listen to them on anything? Why would you let them shape how you feel about a topic? Why would you, in trying to figure out what to do, why would you turn on them instead of flipping open scripture? Why would you say, I don't know how to think about this. Let me turn to this, this man here, this woman here, this Facebook page or this group. Is that a Christian group? I don't know. Well, then that's a good sign. If, it's not, if they're not confessing Christ, then perhaps what you're turning to is anti-Christ. And the responses that they will breed in your heart is not or are not responses for ultimately the good and for truth. And we understand. We talk about it. The voices on the TV, what, are they all, what, are they, what do they care about? Ratings, right? We say it all the time, and yet it's like we only believe the other side is the one that really cares about ratings or media or wanting to get people fired. Oh, they just want to get people fired up. Now, this guy doesn't. He's just pure news. Uh, or he's just, look, like, they all, they all are driven by, what does, what does Jesus say? You cannot serve what? God and money. And if someone is not even trying to serve God, then guess who the first one to line up at the door normally is? So be aware of that. Test the, 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 the voices. The world cannot be trusted to give you a right answer. Anything from the world will only try to capture you. It is the spirit of antichrist. Look, God has given you voices to listen to. It's not as if it, the world, it's not as if there's no one talking. Remember, God did not appoint, we talked about this, God did not appoint the world to watch over your soul. God did not appoint your favorite talk show host or your favorite media icon or, or anyone else in your life. If you're, if you're turning to answers to your big questions, not to the people God's placed in your life, but instead to, to people that aren't trustworthy and that are intentionally moving you away from God, whether you recognize it or not, you cannot be surprised if you end up with a wrong view of things. It's like turning to Aunt Martha, Aunt Martha that you know doesn't go to church and that you've always thought was crazy, but then she says something that you always wanted her to say, and all of a sudden you like everything Aunt Martha says. You wouldn't turn to that woman for advice, but that's what the whole world is. The whole world is full up of your crazy aunts and uncles. They're all crazy. They're all denying God and then coming and telling you how to think about a particular issue. They all are. The Bible has given us shepherds. It has given us men whose job it is to watch over your souls. If you have questions, if you don't know how to feel, come to them. Ask. Wives, go to your husbands. Ask. Husbands, you don't know the answer? Don't make up one. And don't Google. If you don't know what the Bible says, go to your pastors. That's the chain. But don't let your heart be shaped by this godless world. And it's godless talking heads. We have to believe the Bible when it tells us, beware of the voices of this world. The scriptures that we just looked at showed us this world is not neutral. This world is working against God. So recognize what this world is trying to do is take you captive. Ultimately, they are driven by a spirit of antichrist. So you cannot trust them to be bringing in his kingdom, which is the only thing we want, right? That's all we're wanting. 
So the first thing we've got to do is realize that the world doesn't have the answers. They can't know it. Even if they did know it, they would twist it. The world wants to capture us, not set us free. So the Bible tells us to be aware of the advice from the world. You wouldn't listen to a worldly person, right? You wouldn't say, I don't know the answers. Let me go talk to a worldly person. So why would you listen to their father? The world doesn't have the answer. So that's the first thing. The world doesn't have the answer for you. You can't trust this world or the people who, who are a part of this world. So where can you turn? That's the second thing. The world doesn't have the answer, but the Bible does. And listen, that sounds simplistic, but this is a struggle for Christians. You have to not just say that. You have to actually believe that the Bible has all the answers you need. That the Bible has all, I mean, social issues are for a Christian ultimately a battle for the Bible in your heart. Whether or not you think that the Bible is sufficient. We, we are in a time where in issues, Christians will say, oh, yes, the Bible is true, but then not turn to the Bible to get their answers. We'll affirm that the Bible is sufficient. Oh, yes, the Bible is God's word. It's, it's great. It's sufficient, authoritative, all these things. But then when a, when a certain issue comes up, they start running to all these other places to find their answers. Like the reason we don't know that the Bible has all the answers to our problems isn't because the Bible is silent. The problem is we don't know our Bibles very well. That's the reason we don't think the Bible's got all the answers. Because yeah, it's like it'd be like looking at that encyclopedia that you bought in 1985 for no reason. And then going, ah, I don't think it's got anything good in it. You never opened it. You don't know. By now it probably doesn't have anything good in it. Uh, but we think the Bible doesn't have these answers because we're not familiar with our scriptures. We hear something like, read the Bible over the summer, and we're like, I don't know if I want to take that challenge. I mean, what a, in a challenging time, if there's ever a time to take a challenge to read scripture, it is this challenging time. If anything, you know what we've become on it? We've become concordance Christians, right? I don't know the Bible well enough to know how to answer something, but I do have a concordance. So I will look up in my concordance for a word and see if that word is in the scriptures. And then that'll give me my answer or even worse than being concordance Christians. We're Google Christians. We're search engine Christians. Listen, God did not give you a godless search engine to watch over your soul, okay? This is why, so if anything, please don't Google how to think about issues. Please, please do not Google. Because you know what? Godly thoughts, probably not going to be on the top of the Google list, okay? So if you want to know how to feel about something, promise me your first step will not be, where's my search engine, okay? That is just not... That is not a good place to start. So if the world can't know the answers, where can we turn? We must turn to God for our answers. And this just makes sense. If we as preachers are trying to figure out how to fix our world, it would be wise to turn to the creator of this world. So in fact, to know wisdom, to know the right thing to do in any situation, you must 
know God. To know wisdom, you must know God. There can be no wisdom that denies God or rejects God. Wisdom is not born from that soil. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. We all know this verse. The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. Not step 10, not step 25, not even step 2. The beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. Without a fear of the Lord, wisdom cannot even begin to sprout. This world is trying to solve the problem of evil all while denying the God of goodness. It's a fool's game. If we go back to Romans chapter 1, they're exchanging the truth for the lie and then wondering why the world's full of a bunch of liars. They cry out for justice, but then deny the God of justice, the one who created justice. Any attempt to fix the world that denies the one who made the world is utter foolishness. So to know wisdom, you must know God. And in fact, wisdom can only come from God. Wisdom comes from him. James chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, if anyone of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him, but let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. If we want wisdom, if we want to know as a nation, how do we handle this? Who should be the first person we ask? God. That should be the first place we turn. If our nation wants to go, all right, we're dealing with an issue and you've got hatred, you've got sin. How do we fix it? The very first place that we should turn is to God. Would be our nation to fall down in prayer and say, God, what do we do? So if the world were truly seeking wisdom, that would be the first thing they would be doing. We'll be talking about just how much we need God's help. What's funny is the very one we should turn to is the one no one is talking about. No one is talking about. And he will, what does he say? He will give that wisdom generously to all who ask. But they have to ask in what? In faith. That those who doubt God are like waves tossed back and forth by every wind. And you see this. The world, I mean, the world is spitballing here. They're flying after this answer, and then that answer didn't work, so they're flying after another answer. They're all over the place. The world is tossed about by winds. This group thinks, okay, I do this way, and that will appease them. And they go, no, now we want you to do this. And you do that, and then they're not happy with that. Now this is the answer. And it's back and forth and back and forth because they are seeking wisdom in the midst of a tumultuous sea of godlessness of denying their creator, and they are in the hurricane of that denial. And then wondering why their world is falling when Christ himself said, like we've mentioned at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, what does he say? If you build your house, if you do not hear my words and obey them, you're building your house on the sand and it will fall. But if you do hear his words and you keep them, It's like one who builds their house upon the rock. 
The winds come, the waves come, but does it fall? No. No, it does not. And so when we see wisdom can only come from God, if we are seeking wisdom, if we're wanting to know how to handle any issue, we've got to go to him. And the good news is God has already supplied us with all the wisdom that we need. That God gives wisdom through his word. God gives wisdom through his word. Hosea, we're going to look at a few places where he points at in these sorts of issues is how important it is to know God's word. Hosea 14, 9, whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right and the upright walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. Real wisdom, whoever is wise, this wisdom is found in God's word. You want to be wise? You need to know what God's word says. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. This is the end of Hosea. This is the end of Hosea where he says, all that I just said and explained to you from God, the wise person will seek to understand these things. That's where wisdom is going to come from. The upright, the just, are those who do what? Who walk in God's word. A just society is a society that walks in the word of God. This is, again, how we can know that our society, our world, is only just pretending to want justice. Because just people walk in God's word. And yet if you bring up God's word, people say, ah, don't, be, don't be bringing your religion on me. And we can say, I'm not bringing my religion. I'm bringing the words of your creator. This world is not going to be, there is no justice until we humble ourselves before him. And if you want justice, the just, the upright will walk in God's word. So God gives wisdom through his word and that, that word, the Bible, it is sufficient. People will tell you that you need more than the Bible. People will tell you, oh, you've, you've got to have, you need people's experiences to understand issues. Or let's turn to sociology professors to understand really what's going on at the heart of people. But the Bible actually says, no, you don't really need that. The Bible says, I've got everything you need. In other words, as, as, as a white person, I can understand that racism is wrong without ever having to talk to a black person ever. Or ever having experienced racism. Just as, this, as a person can say, you know what, rape is wrong without ever having themselves been raped. Murder is wrong without ever having themselves been killed. If we had to wait for someone to tell us that murder was wrong after they were murdered, we'd be waiting a long time. The only one, the only one who did that was Jesus, man. And then we don't want to listen to him. You don't, need, you don't need the things of this world to know what's right and wrong. Now, you can not pay attention to what Scripture says. But the Bible has everything that we need. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for what? For every good work. Everything the Christian needs is found in God's Word. What needs to be taught, what needs to be corrected, as he says, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, everything. What you need to do and what you need to stop doing. They're all found in God's word. God's word makes us, he says, complete, gives us everything that we need 
to work every good work in this world. If we had Christians uh, following every good work in this world, if everyone in this world was obeying the scriptures, we would live in a good world. This is why, as we saw uh, in 2 Peter, when God talks about a place where righteousness dwells, what makes for this righteous new heavens and new earth is that you've got a godly people dwelling in a godly world. And God's word, unlike this world's ideas, so God's word is true, it gives us everything that we need, and unlike the thoughts of this world, God's word will never fail us. God's word will never fail us. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 and 6. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found to be a liar. So God's word is always true. Now that word there, true, is not the word for truth. And it's not the same word for truth. It'd be a different Hebrew word. This is the idea of like something is tried and true. That's how we would be that, that word there. Uh, it's like something that has been refined by fire. It is steady. It is strong. There's no impurity in it, nothing to weaken it. So he says, if you trust in God's word, it will prove true. It will be a shield if you take refuge in him. It is not going to fail you. It is true solid a shield but if you add to it if you think okay god's word says this but i need to go beyond god's word it is you that will be found out to be a liar so if instead of trusting god's word if instead of saying god i know your word is true it will be my shield for anything that is going on in this world how can, I, how can I know I'm going to be okay? How can I know the answer to give? How can I know how to fix this world? What's going to be my trust? Where am I going to find my refuge? If you, don't, if you don't trust him and instead say, okay, let me get out from behind that and ask these people over here, what can we do to fix it? And you add, because you don't think his word is enough, so you add to his word with the thoughts of whomever, even if they're your own thoughts, you are the one who will be found out to be a liar. So God's word is true. You can always trust it. It's never going to fail you. But can God's word speak to our context today, right? Can, can God's word speak to the context of what we're going through? I mean, that was, it was written, you know, 6,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago. The Bible tells us that God's word is always relevant, always true. Psalm 119 verse 142 your righteousness is righteous forever and your law is true the right that the lord lays out is always going to be right because the right that the lord lays out is based on his righteousness the law he's he gives us is always going to be true so whatever issue you have before you, you can remind yourself of this phrase. The Bible can handle this. The Bible, the Bible can handle this. God gives us, wisdom has to come from God. It does come from him. It comes from through his, through his word. The word is sufficient for everything that I need. It will never fail me. It is always true. So whatever situation comes up and you go, how should I think about this? Your thought needs to be, the Bible has my answer. The Bible has many things. Like, I don't have time to read all the way through. Go to your pastor. Make them do the dirty work. 
and come to you with the answer. But whatever you do, do not turn to the world for the answer just because you don't know what the Bible says or you don't want to take the time to hear what the Bible says. But what do we say? Right, that's the framework, but what do we say? That's what people always want to run to. And let me tell you, we need to know, you know, they go, how do we answer this, this particular thing? But let me warn you, do not move too quickly from setting the foundation that we talked about today. Do not assume that this is what you do or what you've always done. Make sure that you go back and examine yourself and you're seeing, am I listening to the world or am I seeking my answers solely from the scripture? If you're looking for an answer, any answer, you're going to end up with all the wrong ones if you don't look in the right place. And that's what, that's what we'll look at, at next week. We'll take the word uh, of God and we'll apply it specifically to what it says about areas of race and justice and, and the responsibility of the church in this world for those things. But we've, we've got to be grounded before we start running, right? We've got to make sure uh, that we're not trying to run in sand. Uh, the world is against ultimately justice. We know that. The world doesn't even know what justice is. Their thoughts are anti-Christ and only ultimately seek division. Even if they seem to seek unity in the short term, the world and its philosophies are trying to capture you. That's all those previous verses that we looked at put in one paragraph. What we need is God in this or we're not really pursuing justice at all. We need his wisdom. The church needs to pursue it. And we know that God has given us that wisdom. It's there in his word, his word that is sufficient, that never fails, that is always true, no matter our circumstance. We need to know God's word and we need to take God's word to heart. So let's look, let's take this foundation and apply it to one verse. Let's see how, because you can actually see this, those two truths in, in one verse about the issue of justice. Look at Proverbs 28, 5. This is, this, is, this is where you can see we're taking the glasses and we're putting them to work. This is the framework, Proverbs 28, 5. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. Here, you see, God's already done the heavy lifting for us. We could have just looked at Proverbs 28, 5 and gotten those two points that we looked at. And you're like, well, why didn't you? Uh, here you can see both of those truths in action. The world doesn't know the answer. The, so the, the evil men, those who are denying God, those who are living for themselves, who are changing the truth for the lie, this world cannot solve the problem of justice. This is why it'd be crazy to listen to. The world doesn't even, the world is in rebellion to God. It doesn't even know what justice is. It would be like if, if I sent my kid to find something. They had no idea. If I said, hey, Gideon, go to the shed and bring me a flugelhorn. He's like, I have no idea what a flugelhorn is. The idea that I would think he would happen to come back with that when he's got no idea what it is. The, this lost world doesn't even understand what justice is. We've got a world fallen in sin, deceived, rebellious, evil, they do not understand justice. So why are we listening to them? 
and saying, oh, this is justice. Fox News does not know justice. MSNBC does not know justice. Republicans do not know justice. Democrats do not know justice. It is the blind leading the blind. None of those people are our answer. So we cannot accept either of their answers or turn to them asking the question, how do we fix this? How do you think we should fix this? Because they don't even know what justice is. This is why you get the same story over and over in terms of justice in nations where, where someone will rise up saying they seek justice or, or peace. So you have someone that comes, I mean, let's take, for example, Cuba, right? Cuba is a great example, right? What we need is we need justice for the Cuban people. Fidel Castro stands up. Look, we've got a problem. All these millionaires, they're all just taking our money. Um, Fidel's for the people, right? Fidel Castro decides eventually to leave Cuba because he's for the people. Uh, and he walks away with a personal bank account of $900 million. He was just going to keep all those socialist funds and communist funds for them. I'm sure he was going to distribute them at the appropriate time to all the people, right? He was for justice, right? And, they, and that same story happens over and over and over. People will say they're for justice, and in the end, when they die, not a very just society. I mean, no one looks back at Stalin's life and goes, you know what, I think, he's got, I think he got the justice thing right. I think, I, think, I, think those, I think those Soviets really nailed justice. Uh, and so why do we turn for the world to the answer of justice? They cannot understand justice. So we cannot accept their answers. We can't accept them. Uh, and it shouldn't surprise us because they've got hearts that are driven by the world. But what about what does it say about the godly? What does this first say about the godly? So evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it what? Completely. Not only does it say the godly do understand justice, it says they understand it completely. Now, that's what God says. The, the just God, the, the God who is the very foundation of what it means to be just, he looks at his people and he says, the world doesn't understand justice, but you do. How foolish would it be for us to then go, are you sure? You sure the world doesn't know? Are you sure we do? The world is crying out, listen to us about justice. And God is crying out, they don't even know justice. But you do, and you know it completely. Now, how can it say that we understand justice completely? Is it just innate in Christians that we understand justice and the world doesn't? Well, yeah, kind of. Kind of, because what do Christians have in them? They've got the Spirit of God dwelling in them. They, they understand, I mean, as a Christian, they are confessing the most... Uh, the understanding the issue of, of justice and God's justice on this world. But we also have what? We've got that word of God telling us what justice is, so we can understand it completely. The world doesn't get justice, but we do. We get it, and, and we'll talk about how it is that we get it next week. But Christians, on these issues, no, you do not need to take a position of inferiority on this issue or any issue. Now, we can repent of times that we have not listened to what God has given us. But that's not because we didn't understand or because he hadn't told us, but because we refused to obey. But we have such an upper hand against the world on these issues. They don't even, they don't even know the goal they say they're trying to get to. They don't. But we do. And we understand it completely. And that's not pride talking. That's God. 
And so you can see the inconsistency in this world, and you can stand up and say, that's not what justice is. You don't even know what justice is, but we do. Now, that is both a great reason to be hopeful, but that is also a great responsibility that we have. If it is the Christian world that understands justice, it is the job of the Christian world to speak the loudest and the most clearly because the rest of the world, they're not even pursuing justice anyway. And this is our God's world, and we will not let unrighteousness reign in us or around us. So let's pray. As we take a time to pray, I'm sorry that this took a little bit longer than I intended. Not that I'm really sorry, but just take a moment and pray. It would be silly to not pray after talking about how much we need God, right? It would be foolish to not stop and beg God for these answers. Knowing again that he's, he's given them to us, that, that we need wisdom from him and uh, Pray that, that you're, you would not listen to the voices of this world, that you would see them for what they are, deceptive, trying to capture you, spirits of antichrist, and that you would instead turn to God's and to his word. That you would humble yourself. Because you know what? It's, e it's, it's easy to Google. It's easy to turn on the TV. But it takes discipline to get in God's word. It takes commitment to search the scriptures for the answer. And you'd rather just have someone tell you. What do I want you to do this week? I, this week, I want you, I want us as a church to get out of the media. To get into our Bibles, to get on our knees. I mean, think about it. Just think about it. How, how much time... Have we spent the last few weeks perusing news stories, scrolling through Facebook? Now, how much time have you instead spent searching God's word for the answer? How much time have you spent in fasting and praying because you know the answer has to come from God? That's where the answer to any of this is going to come from. And we have the answer. It's there. God has given it to us. Let's pray our laziness, our pride, does not keep the answer from us. Because this is his world. Let's proclaim justice to it. Father, we come to you today, and God, I thank you for, I mean, we live in, I mean, this chaotic world, God. And, and this is just one issue, and that's why we did this foundation, God, because we know that there are so many issues. And this is very similar to what you did in the Sermon on the Mount, Father. Laying out all these things, poverty and riches and pursuits and all of the issues that the world might deal with and say, look, you either build your house on what I say or you're building it on sand. And so, Father, may those same lenses guide the way we look at any issue, any issue, Father. May we say, I've got to see it through your word, Lord, because this world cannot be trusted. They cannot be trusted. Those who deny our Christ cannot be trusted to lead us to understand what justice is at all. Because where is justice most clearly seen than in the cross? 
And so, Father, any voice that comes according to human tradition, according to elemental spirits of this world and not according to Christ is a voice we cannot listen to. And so, Father, help us to pursue the truth, help us to pursue right by pursuing them through the wisdom that you've given us, the wisdom found in your word as it points to Christ and his kingdom, a kingdom where righteousness dwells with a righteous king ruling over a righteous people. Help us to walk in wisdom, to walk in your word, and help us to speak wisdom, to speak your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. Notice the implication. To understand it completely, we seek the Lord. That's the, that's the, that's the prerequisite to, to understanding. Uh, understanding justice is we must seek. And the elect are uniquely equipped to do that. We have the Spirit of Christ indwelling us, and we have the word of Christ that must be, as Paul says, dwelling in us richly. May that be true. May we build on that firm foundation. Um, let's sing of that. Let's remind ourselves of this firm foundation that we do have, and why would we not seek it? That, that indeed is the that's the question. Um, what else, where else should we turn? So let's, uh, yes, let's stand and um, we'll sing. And uh, may this be our, our prayer. May it remind us of the things we know and the things that we must remember. How firm a foundation we have. firm a foundation ye saints of the Lord is laid for your faith in his excellent word what more can he say than to you he hath said to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled Fear not, I am with thee, O be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, 
I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. We leave you this morning with this word of exhortation from the Apostle Paul. It's found in Romans 16. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Indeed, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. I, we love you. You're dismissed. Uh, you're welcome to stay. Have uh, lunch with us, followed by scripture reading. Moving on through Chronicles, uh, we'll, we'll see uh, Jehoshaphat. Uh, we'll read Jehoshaphat this week and today. Um, so again, we invite you to stay. Uh, but blessings be on your day, on your week. And then I'll see you Wednesday morning and everyone else, Lord willing, Wednesday evening. You're dismissed. Try.